2: On the auburn road drifts the sound of merriment and cheer. Old Father must tide, bring me velvet green, bring me embers and deep ruby mouthfuls. Ring in the pintmas and the publy eve and open the door to the moon under water. Tied must to thee, Robin. You'll tied us indeed. You'll tied
3: to thee, John. Um, you might have noticed the, the I'm sort of made a Christmas jingle there. Well, I mean, I, I just put the sleigh bell on the regular jingle, but I think that's all you th- all that's needed, really, isn't
2: it? Yeah, it's no small feat. No.
3: to be honest with you, no, mate. No.
2: But it's the end of the year and so many different things happen in the moon underwater at the end of the year. A remarkable shifting appears on the alleys and the streets. Snow dusts every corner of the correct realm because the correct realm is all your dreams come true. And one of my main dreams is snow everywhere. Not inside, um, unless a, a small amount was blown in a gust. By uh, um, someone opening the door, that's absolutely fine. But um, I, I just want snow everywhere, please. Right. And a little pussy cat walking through the snow on its sort of high paws. Mm. But I definitely you do want that thing of that
3: kind of someone being very. What's that phrase? "Hail, f- heart, hail, fellow well met." What's that phrase? It's uh, the Ghost of Christmas. I don't know. You'd have to look it up in I the look old it up mind. In my mind. It's it's isn't what the hail fellow well met. It's showing excessive familiarity or friendliness. I think, um, I have a feeling, I might be wrong, Ghost of Christmas Present says it, but I have that image of uh, someone coming into a pub, lovely warm pub, uh, you know, uh, uh, and uh, and the drift of snow kind of coming in as you open the door and being very, uh, you know, hail fellow well met about it all.
2: Yeah, and I imagine an awful lot of sort of scarves and overcoats at this time of year. Scarves and overs.
3: Do you have any favourite kind of publy uh, traditions at this time of year?
2: Well, do you know what? My my folks don't drink, so Christmas for me is quite a barren (laughs) period. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not fun for lots of people. I mean that's
3: the thing that's a, that's the worst thing about Christmas is that it does feel like everyone's having a great time and if for whatever reason you're not having a great time it kind of feels
2: worse doesn't it Yeah and I you know Christmas is a mixed bag Yeah really in in the other realm not in the correct right. realm obviously I would dearly love to spend Christmas in the moon underwater that's not possible but yeah, so not. It's Christmas, bizarrely for me, has never really been a boozy time of year, apart from when you and me used to go to our friend Sam's house. I remember drinking like half a pint of teacher's whiskey Christ. at Sam's on just sort of like a Christmas Eve.
3: <laughs> yeah, New Year's Eve, often at Sam's. Fond memories of New Year's Eve going to Thornbury, maybe once or twice, walking down the
2: road. I mean,. Maybe, maybe nuns. What's that mean? I'm not sure. I ever went to Thornbury on New Year's Eve. Maybe once.
3: Maybe well, twice. Well, we had a New Year's Eve party at your house on ninety nine in 1999. Do
2: you remember that? Uh, the millennium eve. Yeah, I did. I got so excited, I jumped in the air and hit my head on the oh, yeah, top there of the a door frame. F- there is a photo of that. I
3: think we I was, we were DJing. Didn't we have decks. Why did we have decks? How did we have decks?
2: Yeah, we're eighteen. I don't know. I think <laughs> maybe you brought them. I don't own any decks. <laughs> no. Who knows? Who who knows? But I think we started drinking very
3: early then. But we were young. But Christmas drinking the Christmas pub traditions for me, because I've got a birthday very close to Christmas. So I have spent so many of my birthdays in the Hare on the Hill in Bristol. And that is And the and the Hill Grove. And the Hill Grove. And sometimes the Highbury Vaults. Getting the snug in the hybrid vaults around Christmas, nothing better. But uh, yeah, so that's what it, I suppose that's what it means to me in pubs.
2: So I don't really have any sort of family drinking traditions around this time of year to draw on, but what would have been your, you know, you wake up on Christmas Day, is it Bucks Fizz? What is it for you? It's a Bucks Fizz
3: in the morning, um, and then it's sort of bottles of lager throughout the day, and sh- you know, and then you know, fizz at dinner, and then fall asleep for maybe three or four hours, and wake up to watch a film. Really?
2: Yeah. <laughs> so I, I will. I think I'm going back to my mum's on Christmas Eve. I probably won't drink on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Isn't that kind of mad? Or, or great? It's not mad. And good.
3: I mean, this is the this is the thing, isn't it? It's like you know, people expect some kind of Richard Curtis-style Christmas. Life isn't like that. Life isn't Richard Curtis, is it? It's
2: more like Adam Curtis. Yeah, or Curtis Strange, the golfer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, this is a terrible message for
3: us on our Christmas (laughs) episode. But to be fair, this is going out post-Christmas, so maybe it kind of aligns itself with that kind of post-Christmas blues. We're going out in the gusset of the year.
2: Guys, life is first boredom, then fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but to, I'm sorry, yeah. you seem to have found us in a bit of a bit of a brown study here at the Moon Underwater. I don't know how that's uh, what the happened. What does that? Mean? <laughs> I think it's because
3: a brown study. <laughs> a brown study. What yeah, does that mean? Yeah, that means mean? depressed. Really?
2: It sounds like you made a yeah. dirty
3: protest. <laughs>
2: Now, a brown study is a sort of Victorian phrase for being a bit down in the dumps. You I found bla- in I mean, a brown study. I mean, black dog
3: makes sense, doesn't it? Churchill's black dog. Brown study just sounds like...
2: <laughs> oh, dear. I've never heard that phrase. Well, anyway, let's bring... We need Christmas cheer, Robin. Look, with the whole the whole of the moon the water is bedecked with wreaths. There's about a thousand wreaths in here. Yeah.
3: There's more there's more baubles than you could throw a, a you know a sort of
2: another bauble at. There's just there are just a lot of baubles. there's too many baubles. Yeah, there are far too many. It's more like a ball pool, but the problem is <laughs> you can't just dive into them because they all look, sort of shatter and cut
3: you. I don't know, I know, but- so they're not perfectly round, are they? They they've got that little hook on them, so you know you might scratch yourself on that hook if you
2: jump into a bauble pool in the nude. But that won't happen because the moon underwater is all your dreams come true, even a bauble pool. Um, And all of the wreaths have got different themes. Uh, One over there is remorse. One over there is um, expectations, Mm. brackets general. Um, One over there is sport. 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 A sport wreath. Yeah, it's got a hockey stick, a rugby ball and a cricket ball. And another cricket ball on it, because the person who made it really likes cricket. There's one that's themed around Britpop. It's just (laughs) Damon Albarn holding a big... uh, What was that Gibson guitar with a Union Jack on it that Oasis used? One of them. Yeah. Tony Blair shaking hands with um, all of um, (laughs) uh, the band uh, Gene, and um, yeah, that's he hasn't quite got his, his facts right. This wreath maker, has he? <laughs> it's a and recent then,
3: Britpop with Tony Blair
2: meeting Martin Rossiter from Gene. Yes, that's what it is. Outside number ten Downing Street, which Outside. has an, which has a, has a Noel Gallagher door knocker on it. Number ten. Wow! Um, one of them's themed around emancipation, another one's themed around sand, and uh, another sand. one is themed, yeah, sand in all its glory, beaches, glass, and uh, timers, old timers. Oh yeah, yeah, old old timers like us, old timers like us, uh, and one of them's themed on hairdressing. One is themed on um, Tooth Decay, uh, because it's an important message for Christmas, all those chocks around. So we've really just got so many wreaths here. Yeah. Do you like Christmas? Um, I like, it's hard to say. Uh, life circumstances over the past few years have made Christmas pretty tricky, so it's nice to be here in the correct realm. Christmas is as Christmas does, as yeah, they say. Sure so. uh, I As a child, it was just absolutely just sort of, uh, I, I loved it to an unbearable amount, yeah. I think. Getting my copy of the top ten of everything in the Guinness Book of Records and then yeah. reading up on the stats.
3: Well, those are the best ones, weren't they?
2: I mean, our friend Johnny White,
3: who's a brilliant comedian and musician, he does a bit about how much he loved Christmas when he was a kid, to the point where he'd get upset when it was ending and he'd start crying to his mum,
2: please stop it ending. <laughs> yeah. And he's also got a tattoo of a Christmas tree on his arm. He does, yeah. He still loves Christmas. Dude loves Christmas. No, I do like Christmas. I like I there was a Christmas sort of uh like an evening late shopping thing near where I live and a brass band played. And I have to say, I I find the sound of a brass band playing Once in Royal David City incredibly moving. It is. I think it's the best Christmas song, actually, Once in Royal David City. It's so plaintive and mournful. It's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I like... uh... (laughs) Oh, God.
3: My My grandma used to sing along to hymns and, um, you know, Songs of Praise. She had a lovely way of saying, she'd kind of go like this.
2: Sort of like a vibrato hum. Yeah. Tons
3: of vibrato, yeah. Often quite wildly out.
2: You know, it's great, though. It's quite nice. Almost like a theremin. Yeah, it was a bit like a theremin. Oh, Grandma. Oh, Grandma. Well, speaking of theremins, um, it's now time for us to read out some correspondence, which is for patrons only. So if you're listening to this on the regular feed... You need to get your behind to moonunderpod.com and subscribe on Patreon because we're going to read out some special Patreon content here. Mm. Um, uh, But if you decide not to do that, that's fine. That's your choice. Uh, You're just now going to skip straight ahead to the main meat of this Christmas roast. But uh, Patreons, it's time for some correspondence. Correspondence.
4: Hello, I'm Adam Hurry, host of Football Clichés, a truly unique podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Twice a week, my guests and I tear apart the language of football, the words, the phrases, the mannerisms, and the weird habits of everyone involved in the game. From the shoes that football pundits are legally required to wear to the didn't play for Sam Allardyce's Bolton but really should have done 11, Football Clichés explores all the tiny things that you didn't realise you cared about. But believe me, you do.
2: Well, welcome back to all our non-patrons. You missed out on some smashing chat there, which in the end did get quite sad. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But we had some lovely correspondence, some lovely Christmas memories, some lovely chat about Christmas and loneliness. Uh, But now we are heading into a deep dive to reflect on the year thence uh, before the year hence. What a year it's been. What a year it's been. The moon underwater opened our audio doors even though as i said the moon underwater has been around for a billion years um on the 12th of april with our first episode was with nish kumar and we've had 37 guests five of whom were live and the most popular choice thus far has been your friend and mine guinness Mm. and i think deserved but what we're going to do now is reflect on some of our favorite choices some uh, moments we want to highlight from the year thence, and um, in order to make sure this truly is festive, get me out of this brown study, as previously <laughs> discussed, Robin, what am I drinking? Um, It's black and white. Oh no,
3: it's yellow. Oh, John! You shouldn't have. John has got <laughs> a Varnix, a bottle of advocar. He's got a little can of Schweppes lemonade. He hast got some ice. Hast thou got a lime? No, you hate lime, do not
2: you? Uh, I hate lime. Yeah, what glass?
3: That look um, it's pint glass. <laughs> A pint glass, fuck me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is, oh god, I'm getting a bottle
2: next for for my birthday. I, I bloody love a snowball. I went into Tesco's today to get Guinness, pale ale, and cider, and I walked past, and they were selling this bottle of uh, advoca, ten quid. Nice. I love that. Like, what is Varnix? What company is Varnix? Like, do they make anything else? It's probably owned by I don't know Lockheed Te- Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> so, Elon Musk. The trick, with a, the, <laughs> the trick with a snowball, folks, is you have to sort of pre mix a bit of it, otherwise it the So what I'm doing is a bit like I'm making a cup of soup. My mouth you is. You mix watering. the You mix it. ...into a paste. Paste? <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Oh, God. It is such a great flavour. Yeah. And I want, I'm going to have a pint of it... ...because it always goes downhill after the first one. Fucking pint it. I mean, you. it's the oh, kind of fizziness.
3: God. It's the fizziness. Lemonade has to go in last, I think, doesn't it? you got to p- top it up with lemonade
2: now. No, because then all of the avocado stays at the bottom... ...so I make a paste... Sort of 50-50 Advocar, and then top it up once you've stirred it.
5: Mm.
2: Oh my God. So here we go. To you, Robin, and to me, to all our listeners, and to the moon underwater, here goes a pint of a snowball. Cheers. not going to drink the whole thing, are you? Oh my God, fuck me. It's like a kind
3: of milkshake for people whose lives have gone a bit wrong.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Do, Do you remember Coke floats? Yeah. It tastes a bit like a vanilla Coke float uh, with lemonade. Anyway, folks, um, we've taken a choice each. Yeah. And we're going to play some clips from our favourite eps. And my first choice to reflect Guinness, Mm. which has been chosen 11 times, uh, is the discussion we had with Jodie Kidd, who it was such... I was listening back to the episode. She was so... So giving... Mm. And she was so positive and just so engaged. And it was so nice to chat to her. And also, it's always a treat when someone actually either owns a pub or has worked in a pub or his parents ran a pub. And Jody had such great insight into the running of a pub because uh, she runs her own. Basically, this
3: ticked boxes for you because it was like you're talking about Guinness and the ins and outs of keeping Guinness good but then in that episode as well you're talking a lot about tax and you're just a big fan of <laughs> yeah, tax it was discussions a dream come true <laughs> yeah she was brilliant though it's a great episode
2: so we we thank Jodie and how many talents what a talented person um but she she really does explain what makes a good pint of guinness so here you go
5: there's something really Beautiful about a pint of Guinness and how hearty it is and how just rich and lovely and creamy and it just makes me happy. But in the summer, I drink much more Moretti and then in the winter, I'm a much more bigger fan of that lovely stouty Thicker. I can't wait for the (laughs) to open. I'm like missing a draft so much.
2: But finally, I I can go to someone who's got the answers for the questions I have about Guinness. Yeah. So what is it in the actual process of keeping and maintaining Guinness that makes a good pint? Because it varies so much more than other... Well, apart from lager, which is kind of the same everywhere, pretty much. But there's something about a bad pint of Guinness with a slightly brown head with bubbles in it. And you think, how can you get that so wrong when next door gets it so right?
5: Yeah, it's all all about pipes.
2: Talk to me about pipes.
5: Well, the pipes have got to be really properly cleaned. So we're open, well, we will be open eventually, kind of like a Wednesday to a Sunday. And when we get to the end of the Sunday... Take everything off the barrels, and we flush all the chemicals through to really clean those pipes. Is
3: it that bright purple stuff that goes? Through yeah.
5: That oh way? God. I mean, you don't you don't want to know, but it it does the job. And then we spend ages flushing loads of water out, and then we clean it, clean it, clean it. But you know, we have had some members of staff that have have kind of neglected that kind of side, and the difference is extraordinary even if you're pouring you know an Amstel or something and then a really important thing is I know this is not Guinness but but is the glass and so a lot of issues we've had is the detergent that you use on cleaning the glasses or or something like that where it kind of coats the little imprint in the bottom is
3: it is it the type of glass as well because I' I love an Estrella but often those Estrella glasses. It just comes out really flat and the barmen go, I'm sorry, it's just the glasses. And they pour in another glass.
5: Yeah, it's because they don't have that imprinting on the bottom. So it's all of that little pattern on the bottom of a pint glass, which is, causes all the bubbles. But if you use a detergent that's too thick or a glass, I think even Moretti glass might not have one, um, then then it stops all of that and it goes really flat. So it's all about keeping everything really clean, maintenance... And really taking pride of what you're doing and what you're serving because there's so, I mean, it's such blinking long hours that the staff are on their feet and that, you know, at the end of the night, you're absolutely exhausted and then you've got to clean all the pint glasses, you've got to clean all the pipes, you've got to do all of this, that you can get super tired when you're on a 16-hour day, 17-hour day, that, you know, you can cut corners. But that then, on the other side, will be... That one customer that will come in and go, What is this? You know, it's kind of like so it's all about maintenance and having high levels of cleanliness and pride.
2: There you go, that was Jody Kidd with our first selection from some of the choices we've had this year. That was my selection. Robin, what have you gone for? Well, for draft, I've gone for
3: a kind of controversial one which is I've gone for Alistair Green's choice of carling. But let me explain. I, not, It's not because I'm a fan of carling per se, but I just really liked Alistair Green's idea of a kind of utilitarian pub. And you said this great thing about the customer is not always right, the pub is always right. And I do really like that <laughs> yeah. kind of idea. I do like going to the kinds of pubs that Alistair Green describes in his episode, and it is kind of summed up by the fact that maybe one of the only choices you'll get is Carling. <laughs> but um, there is a brilliant pub in Haggerston, the Duke of Wellington, which I'm sure Alistair Green would be a huge fan of. But it's just it's it's kind of hard to come by in London, particularly just a pub that is really it's really lovely, but it ha- just hasn't changed. And it's not trying to do anything for anyone. It's like you fit into the pub, the pub doesn't try to fit. You know, to to cut to, to you know to appeal to you. You know what I
2: mean? Yeah, and I think like what he's what he was just, so all of his choices were very basic. Yeah, and we waived a few of our sort of usual rules about brands and stuff. Because, so he, he went for house house red and house white. <laughs> yeah, but I do get that. Like you want a pub that knows what it is. It's not trying to impress anyone, and I think that's the. You know when you walk into a Green King pub and it is that sort of very ubiquitous, very sort of homogenised, sort of fake white chalk on a board? Yeah. And you just think you're trying to be a pub that everyone likes and what you end up with is just sort of a pub that no one... Re- is, you're never anyone's favourite pub. I would rather be in a pub that didn't have sort of exactly what I wanted to drink if it was a pub that was like this is what we do if you don't like it go somewhere else and yeah. that was basically the vibe of Alastair's choices yeah
3: I mean his pub was called the, the Mar- Marquis of take it or leave it wasn't it or the Marquis of take it or leave it yeah <laughs> it's so good
2: <laughs> the Marquis of take it or leave it <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant
3: wasn't it going to be called like if you don't like it fuck off or something I can't remember now. yeah 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 <laughs> so, very
2: funny to celebrate uh, Alistair Green's very unique episode, here's his choice of carling.
4: For me, it's the happy medium between something... I mean, I hate Fosters. I absolutely hate it. And I don't know why. It's just, like, sugary and awful. And then if you don't want a, a, you know, a premium 5% lager, you know, especially if it's in the middle of the day, carling to me is quite a happy medium... I went for a period when I was when I was younger. I was quite happy drinking Carling. Yeah,
3: I'm, I might go back to it because I feel like I, I feel like it might be my. What if it's my drink and I just had a bad experience? Well, it
2: is the most popular beer in the UK. Yeah, I've got a feeling it's more. What percentage is it?
4: It's about three three point. I don't know. I'm going to guess between three and four. No,
2: it can't be that weak. So hang on. Carling is weaker than advertised. Right. Carling advertises its lager at 4% alcohol by volume, but it's been brewed at 3.7% since 2012. Is <laughs> That's insane. Oh, okay, so I need to say for... Um, wow. Just to cover my back. This is from a BBC News article, and this is a court ruling that said the alcohol content of Carling, one of the most popular lagers in the UK, is weaker than advertised. It has emerged. Interesting. I mean, that sounds
4: um, illegal. Mm. Isn't it? yeah what what the problem is with a lot of gastropubs pubs now it's it's kind of it's you feel like it's designed for you there's a few nice ones like um you know the Southampton Arms in Kentish Town or one of those type those people who do it well where it's quite sparse but it's very nice and they they're serving pork pies and pickled eggs and all that but they're doing it with a view to okay I think this is how they used to do it do you know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with that. It's a little bit tongue-in-cheek. It's maybe slightly ironic, or maybe it's not, maybe it's genuine. But the, the point being it's like, hmm, it's like, okay, we don't know how to do be real or just you don't need to do that. I mean, I get it, it's a nice gimmick, it's a nice pub. I've got no complaints, but the key is if you go into a pub or you're outside a pub looking at it and you go, okay, good, they haven't bothered doing it you know, they haven't bothered catering to me. This is how what they, they want to do. I'm a guest here. And I'm happy, you know, I'm happy in that role. Do you know what I mean? I don't need to be pandered to in that way.
2: So in your fantasy pub, the motto would be, not the customer is always right, the pub is always (gasps) right. (laughs) Yeah. So you walk into a pub, what have they got (laughs) on draft that would make you think, oh, fuck this, let's try somewhere else? What's your nightmare draft?
4: I probably haven't got one. First of all, there's, there's, there's not really a pub I'd walk out of. I don't think there'd be one where I go. It wouldn't be what's on the draft. It would be I'd walk in and go, ah, no, this is I've misread. I've misread this completely. You know, it's, it's either some loud techno music playing or it's too noisy or there's too many people eating. I don't like that. You know, or, you know what I mean. Or there will be something like that. It probably wouldn't. There probably isn't anything on draft that would make me go right. I'm, I'm leaving here. I don't think. There's nothing i particularly have a particular aversion to.
3: What if they only serve two-thirds of a pint of sour beers?
4: Normally have one and go. If it's the worst pub in the world and I hate it, it makes me want to die, I'll have one. <laughs> yeah, we'll just have one. Yeah. <laughs> just test it out, because you can't... I haven't judged it properly yet. I'll just have one.
2: There you go, Alistair Green there. Uh, we move on to our choice of a bottles. What was our favourite guest bottle selection? Well, one of the most commented on uh, episodes was our discussion with Adrian Childs. And thank you to everyone who got in touch uh, to say how much they enjoyed our discussion about moderation, about limiting your drinking, about trying to have nights off and to choose your drinks accordingly because I know that uh, struck a chord with a lot of people and I wanted to highlight that in our selection because Adrian talked really really candidly and very eloquently about his attempt to control his drinking to drink less so I've selected as my bottle choice choice Adrian Charles's Sainsbury's Czech low alcohol lager I would urge everyone listening to this to check out uh, Drinkers Like Me, that documentary, because it's important to stress that here at The Moon Underwater, we we want people to drink nice drinks, but we want them to do so in a healthy and manageable way. Uh, So I wondered what effect making that programme and learning about quite how much you were drinking, what effect did that have on your relationship with the pub?
1: Well, apart from having to talk about it all the time, which is one aspect of that. Because people can't get into their heads this idea of moderation. It's got, if you come out and say, you've got a problem, inverted commas, with alcohol, it is the widely held assumption that the only way to deal with it is to stop completely. So at no time in the program did I say I was going to stop. I said, I'm going to moderate. But you know, the amount of time with the pint in my hand, they go, oh, you're back on it then. You know, people come up to me, just hold my arm and say, Good luck with your battle. Really? Good luck with your struggle. Yeah. And they made it nicely. <laughs> so, wow. you know, there's that aspect of, I said, look, I'll just drink it less than they go. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. You know, we know, you know, it's just, it's, you know, I've got, I've, I've got past getting, getting annoyed about it. But I think look, my whole, the whole point of it was that people like me and drinkers like you probably as well, you know, we, we might have convinced ourselves we haven't got a serious problem because we're not waking up on park benches or drinking perno in the morning or whatever. We're not in that category. Therefore we are all right because there's this binary sort of disease model of so-called alcoholism where, you know, you've either got it or you haven't. So you're one of, one of those drinkers who drinks all day, every day and is, you know, and it shows. And if you're not that, then you're fine. And I just thought, well, I'm not fine. I don't feel, less physically, I thought there's some degree, there is some degree of, of dependence here. There was a woman, we got together at Christmas, some school friends, and my friend's wife, who I've known since we were teenagers too. I told her I was making the programme. I said, so what, what if, what if some, a doctor told you if uh, you couldn't have another drink, you had to stop drinking? And she said, I'd absolutely shit myself. I just couldn't do it. I need that drink in the evening. And I, and I thought, I thought, God, I feel a bit like that too. You know, that's the moment I thought, well, no, I'm not having that. You know, you know, if, if it feels essential to you, not enjoyable, not nice, you know, not something, you know, gives you a lot of fun, but something that is essential to your very way of life. And I think that is probably the point you need to have a, Know, think about where you are with your relationship with alcohol but in terms of my relationship with it it made it more precious because it was it was about working out which drinks are really wanted you know and I would say probably you know and I'd be frowned upon for saying it but I'd say you know what drinks do I need do I want or enjoy now most therapists wouldn't like to hear you say the word need but whatever, I'll leave it in. And I worked out that if you lined up all the drinks I've drunk in my life since I was 15, it'd be getting on for four miles long. Right. If you, if you lined them up next to each other. And I thought of all those drinks, I mean that's a lot to put through your system and it can't be good for you all that lot. I just thought, well, that's one thing, but the real tragedy is that of all those, that four miles worth of drink, I don't think, it's more than a third that I actually needed or wanted or enjoyed. The other two thirds were just drinking for the sake of drinking, drinking out of habit, you know, just drinking, you know, you're out. So you might as well drink it's Friday night. So you might as well drink, you know, was I really enjoying them? So it was just, it it was more a case of just, you know, I I like this. I do like drinking. And when I'm, when I'm old and knackered, I want to be able to, you know, struggle off down the pub and look into the middle distance and have a sup on my pint you know i still i don't want to lose that so you know let's cherish it be more mindful about it more special and just work out which drinks i actually you know i I actually want
2: There he was, the man himself, Adrian Childs, with the, a little hint at the discussion we had. So do go back and check out that episode with Adrian if you haven't already heard it. He was a wonderful guest here on The Moon Underwater. But Robin, what have you gone for? Well, two words, French stubbies. Lisa
3: Holdsworth chose for her bottled item was French stubbies. And it just, that I don't know, that it's the nostalgic thing. I like it when people come on the show and it's like, they're talking not just about their favourite drinks but their favourite memories. That's what it's all about, I think. And French stubbies, it's such an association with holidays, summer, you know it's they're just and they're just brilliant, aren't they? Little like three percent little bottles. I love a French stubby.
2: I think the first beer I ever tasted was at Scout Camp. Was yeah. a French stubby that one of the scout leaders let me have with a sort of a nod and a wink. And they were like two and two percent or something, some of them. Yeah. And when uh, Lisa says that she'd like to choose French stubbies or just sort of those stubby beers, yeah. you should just both... It took me and Robin by surprise so much, and we both yeah. sort of went, oh! It's such a yeah. great choice. I know, and Also, brilliant. you never, ever, ever see them in a pub. No, no. You I I see them on a campsite. That's why there's... <laughs> Yeah, you see them on a campsite, or you see them in a sort of a community centre at a hastily improvised Amdram production or something. Yeah. Uh, so we think that was such a great choice from Lisa Holdsworth. And uh, here's what she had to say.
1: So you
3: know when you go on holiday in France and you get the big slab of the little tiny bottles? Oh, my yes.
2: God. Oh, it's like you can <laughs> see inside my mind.
3: That would be that would be fantastic. I just, I really, i I I've been on many a, a Euro camp holiday, oh. um, listening to uh, terrible music and drinking those little bottles.
2: So, Beer door. Yeah. Beer deluxe. Yeah. The king of those, because we used to drink, Robin and I used to live together in Bristol and we used to drink those stubbies and they're always like 3.2% yeah. or 3.4%. But so we tried all of the different supermarket ones. And weirdly, you, you now struggle to find them in supermarkets. It used to be a real, real. so there was a whole shelf which was just those big boxes of stubbies. But Beer des Moulins. Moulins. Which, yeah. Moulins, which is the Sainsbury's one. Oh my God. Just the word Moulins. And I can, yeah, it takes me back.
3: It's another one of those you can only drink it in summer. After, basically, yeah. after the August Bank holiday, pretty much it starts losing its appeal and then yeah, if you get yeah. in september forget it if you get really it's, it's staggering how quickly one can go down if you're not paying attention <laughs> yeah there's not much in them what is it like 330 yeah and the, it's the cl- the sound the clink of yeah. oh we must find somewhere we must find a bottle bank today while we're out doing our yeah. touristing that kind of thing yeah my my dad went camping and, and had a, i think he must have gone in front no it was in wales obviously and he took all, they took all their beer doors to the recycling.
2: And this guy, the Welsh guy, goes, Every picture tells a story. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I mean, I am, and I'm just looking up because usually at this point I would press our guest at the Moon Underwater for a specific brand. But in this case, there's an exception rightly made because it's the very nature of the fact it's a generic French name you're not entirely sure if it came from france <laughs> yeah. but i'm i'm looking at the beard as moulins on Untapped, which is one of the main sort of um, alcohol websites rating wise and i'm i'm disappointed to see it's only got a 2.56 star rating but you you can't rate memories out of 5 no you can't rate memories there you go, French stubbies from Lisa Holdsworth. So, folks, we are going to end part one of our look back across some of our favourite choices from throughout the year at The Moon Underwater, and join us back in part two, where we are going to be finding out what jukebox selection we like the most, the wild card, what thing we most appreciated being barred from the pub, what name we liked and a special musical treat to play us out. Just a reminder that you can support The Moon Underwater at moonunderpod.com or patreon.com forward slash moonunderpod and you can get in touch at john at moonunderpod.com. See you in part two.